From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Adam Teeter. I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the VinePair Podcast. Joanna, how was Canada? <laughs> uh, it was great. It was a really nice time. Got to see some family and um, yeah, happy to be back. Awesome. No, no frostbite, <laughs> no hypothermia. No, it's actually pretty uh, pretty warm. Very similar climate to New York. So, I mean, well, that's because every single Canadian city is like basically right up on the border. So yeah. it's not like you're going that far north. Yeah. Yes. Right? You did not. You did not go to Nunavut. No. 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 God, I kind of want to go to Canada. I got to get out of here, man. <laughs> Didn't you just <laughs> go? <laughs> Weren't you there like a couple of weeks ago? (laughs) She was like, I need a vacation. (laughs) Anyways, uh, so we're talking about flavored spirits today. They've they've been the rage for a while, but they seem to have really totally exploded uh, as of late. Yet, you know, they're these. It's it's a style of spirit that, like, obviously is continuing to find massive appeal amongst consumers, but is not taken all that seriously by members of the trade. So, I mean, first of all, are either of you flavored spirits drinkers? I can't really remember the last time I had a flavored spirit. Mm, yeah. Zach, I, th- I feel like you're like a 99 bananas guy. <laughs> uh, you know, my drink of choice in college was uh, Captain Morgan's Parrot Bay pineapple rum. Wow. Uh, that was delicious. <laughs> Kept a bottle in the freezer. Um, Do you think you were a pirate? Uh, you know, I had a beard. That's all. I, about all I got. <sighs> still, still have a beard. Yeah, yes. Uh, not not it's not not consecutively from college to now but yes uh, okay i did go through a bacardi raz phase not gonna oh, lie. It's very embarrassing for me but you know interesting i but never it, drank flavored spirits good for you i mean i, I mean I, I have a very advanced palate <laughs> that's what we've always said about you adam it's true <laughs> i think a funny thing about flavored spirits is like what exactly do we mean when we say this? Because like, if you want to be kind of a pedantic ass, which I often want to be like, isn't like Amaro just a, a flavored spirit, you, you know, gin is a flavored spirit. Like Ooh. we have this whole kind of, I think, I think when we talk about flavored spirits, right. We talk about the idea of, you know, kind of conceptually to them, I think it's about making alcohol more palatable for people who don't like to drink alcohol. Right. That's where the, you know, the absolute, right. I think that's like, that's the, yeah. That's what's assumed, right? That like assumed. someone doesn't like doesn't want to drink, you know, real alcohol, quote unquote. So, but if you if you give them a apple crown royal or you give them, you know, cinnamon flavored whiskey or whatever, then they will drink it. And and like I think there's some truth to that, but it's unclear to me again why those things are acceptable and why or are unacceptable, I should say, to the trade or whatever broadly, and other things that are you know functionally not that different, including like. If someone in a bar, fancy cocktail bar, makes their own cinnamon whiskey, oh well, that's really really cool. But Fireball, man, that's gross. Like I, mm-hmm. that that always struck me as a weird distinction to make. Do you remember how I how I just recently made some banana rum? Yeah, I do. <laughs> totally forgot about that. But that yeah, yeah, cool. you could have <laughs> you, you could have just used ninety nine bananas. As it turns out, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like that's a good point. Like you know, I think I think that's because we there has been. I think flavor got out of control for a while yes. with, with certain spirits. And I hate to blame one spirit specifically, but if we are to blame one, it's vodka. Yeah. And it's interesting that vodka has completely done a 180 now. And now it's like the only kind of flavored vodkas you're really seeing are, well, at least from, you know, the premier brands are like with botanicals, right? So yeah. you have like Grey Goose Essences and, you know, a bunch of others. But like 
those are interesting and using florals and herbs and citrus and things like that. But what you also, yeah, exactly. But what you had like in the nineties was like cotton candy flavored vodka and bubble gum and donut. And that I think was whipped, whipped cream vodka. My, my existence. Yeah. (laughs) And that stuff was not good. Um, And then now they just put all that shit in seltzer as we found out. (laughs) Totally. And then, you know, on top of that, you had, you know, then, then you sort of had the fireball craze and things like that. And so I think that that's where the strong bias against flavored spirits comes from. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are people that love flavored spirits and like for a lot of people, flavored spirits allow them to make a better tasting cocktail more easily. Right. So, you know, they may not be someone who wants to take the time to like layer flavors and figure out all the different bitters or simple syrups, whatever to use in their cocktails. They have a few. They don't want to buy Pectinex. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And, but you know, they can still make a a really delicious drink that they like to drink, that they want to drink at home. And so that's where I think, you know, flavor spirits do have a place. Um, They also have a place in another conversation we're going to have down the road, which is in shots. I think a a lot of the flavored spirits, uh, you know, have exploded because of shots. But what I think has been really interesting over the past few years is that we've moved away from flavored vodkas into all sorts of flavored spirits whiskeys rums you know etc and that's what's been crazy to watch and they've exploded in popularity yes and then we have we do have a piece on the site that tim mccurdy uh wrote recently and the volume sales of flavored spirits as a whole grew by double digits last year Mm. and and leading the charge is whiskey tequila and gin Mm. well it makes sense in some sense that those are especially whiskey and, and tequila we're talking about two of the fastest growing categories in spirits generally. So it makes Mm -hmm. sense that any trend that would be happening in spirits would be happening in particular in those categories. And I think, again, part of that has to be in the same way that vodka as a category was super trendy in the 90s and into the 2000s. And therefore, people thought, you know, the sophisticated cool thing to do is to drink vodka, but I don't want to just drink vodka because I don't like the taste of just vodka or, you know, a martini or a vodka soda or whatever. But I can still be drinking vodka, but I can be drinking grapefruit vodka or whipped cream vodka or whatever, right? Now, the cool thing to be doing is to be drinking tequila or to be drinking whiskey. But if you don't enjoy the taste of, you know, unflavored um, tequila or whiskey, but you want to be a part of the category, then yeah, it makes total sense that all these things are emerging. And the thing that I think to, to go along with this sort of sentiment I, I articulated earlier about sort of not understanding how, you know, it's not like whiskey that comes off the still does not taste like the whiskey you drink in the first place. It's flavored with Oak. So, so, you know, kind of lose me with the like, Oh, that's a natural way to flavor whiskey. And, you know, other things are not, I mean, obviously there are, you know, more or less natural ingredients, but, but just in general, like whiskey does not just emerge fully formed from a still. Yeah. Another thing I've never understood is this whole kind of notion that like, Oh, flavored spirits are unserious. Well, okay. But you know what? Drinking isn't serious. A lot of the time, like people drink to have fun. And if you if what makes you have fun is a flavored spirit, makes it easier for more people to enjoy it, to have a good time. You can buy one bottle and share it, make one cocktail or one drink and share it. Like those are, I think, unquestionably good things. And some people who start out by drinking flavored whiskey or flavored tequila might eventually say, you know what? I'm actually kind of curious what just yeah. bourbon tastes like or rye tastes like or añejo tequila tastes like. And there's no law that says that if you start out by drinking Fireball, that's all you'll ever drink in the whiskey category for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, you know, I think, you know, flavored spirits are also a, 
an entry point. You know, it's the same yeah. way we talk about, you know, certain kinds of beers, certain kinds of, of wines. They are an entry point to the world of spirits. And I am serious about this. I think that flavored spirits do, for a lot of people, aid them in making better cocktails at home. I think, you know, like yeah. another one, I mean, I know I brought up Grey Goose Essences, but another one that's great is, you know, Kettle One Botanicals, like same kind of idea, right? Those are vodkas that have, you know, natural flavors in them and allow people to make more interesting spritzes. And then maybe they graduate from that to being like, okay, well now I'll go to that brand's traditional vodka and I'll make a Moscow Mule. And then I'll graduate from that to maybe a whiskey. Or, I mean, I think that those things are all really beneficial because I mean, look, I don't know what you're making with like a donut flavored vodka. I'm sure <laughs> there are, you know, clubs and nightclubs in Vegas that for sure make cocktails out of donut yeah. vodka. But for the most part, like, you know, everyone knows those, those aren't the serious spirits, mm-hmm. but I think to, to label all flavored spirits as unserious is a real disservice. I mean, then what are we, are we saying that like Mr. Black, the coffee flavored liqueur is not serious? Yeah. I mean, that's, well, I think- every hipster bartender uses that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think you make a really good point too, Adam, about, you know, the, the utility of these at home. And it makes sense to the sort of the uh, data point you mentioned, Joanna, that that Tim reported, which is like in a year when in the pandemic, when people were doing more home bartending than ever before, it makes total sense that these spirits that have kind of an additional flavor component would be in even more demand because it could Mm -hmm. make, you could make something that tasted better or at least different from maybe just the the traditional cocktail that you didn't know how to make. If you knew how to make an old uh, old fashioned or a Manhattan, well, you could spice that up with a cinnamon vodka or I mean cinnamon whiskey or a whatever more easily than you could uh if you weren't an enterprising home mixologist. You know, it was a lot easier to buy that bottle of flavored whiskey or whatever than it was to infuse your own, even though you can of course also do that. Totally. I also think this just like these types of spirits appeal to a younger generation of drinkers. Mm-hmm. And when you have like the different levels of it, like you said, Adam, it's kind of like you now you can graduate to something like a botanical vodka or something like that. So if you're, you know, you've kind of uh, moved past the bubblegum vodka, um, there's something else waiting for you. Right. Like you go from botanical vodka to gin, you know, I mean, yeah. it's like definitely a lot easier to go from botanical vodka to gin than like start at gin in the first place right? for a lot of people. So uh, Joanna, we're going to let you actually now run off and talk with uh, senior staff writer, Tim McCurdy, who wrote the article you mentioned earlier about flavored spirits, get his take on all this. And then uh, we'll get, we'll come right back here and, uh, and taste one of the most popular flavored spirits on the market right now. Great. Let's get to it. Today, I'm joined by senior staff writer and host of our newest podcast, Cocktail College, Tim McCurdy. Tim, what's up? How's it going? It's going fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Well, as everyone knows, I'm a big fan of Cocktail College. Thank you. I enjoy, I appreciate the plugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, deep dives into the histories and creations of classic cocktails with some of the most distinguished bartenders who make them. Tim, what's that experience been like for you? It's been, in a word, it's been great. Um, I feel like every conversation is very fun. You know, when you sit at a bar, typically if you're, if you're interested in mixed drinks, like you will ask questions and you mm. want to chat about things, but you're very wary of the fact that that bartender has a job to do at that time. <laughs> so oftentimes there's a lot of questions I want to ask that maybe don't get the chance to there. So it's been fun having that opportunity and also just, yeah, you know, like 
getting to the the meat and bones of what cocktail culture is really all about, which is not just recipes, but it's it's everything that goes behind it, and it's mm-hmm. the things that kind of prop up those recipes. So yeah, it's been it's been really fun. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think people could probably assume that there's a lot of thought that goes into creating cocktails, but like talking to some of these bartenders, it's like mm-hmm. it's super. It's very fascinating to me. Like really down to the ice and everything yeah. that goes into it and the the pr- you know the preparation and the, the mise en place as you mm-hmm. like to say. Um, <laughs> no, it's been such a wonderful thing to listen to. Um, so today we're talking about flavored spirits, uh, their it. popularity over the past few years and their role, let's say in a modern mixology and cocktail making. Uh, which I want to get into in a little bit. But first, Tim, you recently wrote an article on flavored spirits Mm -hmm. uh, that claims it's time to take them seriously. Mm -hmm. For our listeners who haven't read the piece yet, why? Shame on you. Why? (laughs) (laughs) Why do we have to take them seriously? So the way that I view this, I think that it's it's twofold. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's a very normal part of culture these days or probably forever that we like to put things in boxes, right? Something is good or something's bad. Mm-hmm. And we like to do that with, with booze. And, you know, we want to, we want to have the definitive say. And so oftentimes over the years, I think we've arrived at this point where we're like flavored spirits. No, those are really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I believe people should take them seriously for, yeah, like I said, at the beginning two two reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, one being, if I am a major drinks brand, if I have a distillery, these things are very popular. Mm-hmm. Like people are buying them, people are spending a lot of money on them, and why would you not want to go out there and and have a profitable business? You know, things can't just be a hobby. So, yeah, I yeah. think not to interrupt you, but I think I think what's surprising to me is that a lot of people love them, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think obviously it, we're, maybe we're not talking about whipped cream vodka right or maybe we are in some instances we are quite popular um but yeah i think it really does behoove these brands to create something that sells quality yeah Yeah. flavored spirits that will sell it's the vodka soda on your cocktail menu Mm -hmm. right this is the thing that keeps the lights on when i worked in the kitchen Mm -hmm. it was the french fries right the the chef didn't (laughs) want to have them on the menu he was like we're above this but one, two portions of fries would pay for the whole bag. The rest was profit. Mm-hmm. Why are you going to turn that down? Like, you should do that. Yeah. So I think that's on the one hand. Mm-hmm. And then I think on the other hand, what we're talking about here is that actually there's a lot of great quality out there. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we can dive into some examples, but I think one that that's kind of springs to mind is, is kind of just like spicy, well-made spicy tequila, jalapeno mm-hmm. tequila. And that is something that bars are making. Mm-hmm. Right, because exactly. Again, spicy margarita, that sells and also can be a fantastic drink. Yep. Take one step out of the preparation. Mm-hmm. If you know that it's quality and quality exists out there, buy it. Right, instead of infusing your own or like muddling a ton of jalapenos. Jalapenos <laughs> and, and like you're not, every time it comes out different, you got mm-hmm. one guy prepping it on a different day, it's an, an, another person and it's just not consistent. So yeah. oftentimes like... There's quality out there, but there's also money to be had. It's mm-hmm. a win-win situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I guess we talked about a little bit about the brands mm-hmm. that are doing it, but maybe I know you spoke to a number of people for the article. And what I thought was really interesting was, like, the major distillers who were very interested mm-hmm. in either expanding their flavored offerings or cracking into the, mm-hmm. the flavored market. 
Um, one thing, as you're saying that, that really kind of pops into my mind um, for a different article that I was writing recently, mm. I was chatting with the the nose of the Jim Beam family, legendary, and you know this is this is a heritage brand, largest producer of bourbon in the country, mm-hmm. in the world, of course, because we can only make it in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they kind of pioneered some of these flavored whiskeys. And I've spoken to other producers for that series of articles who were dead against that, mm-hmm. but they were like. There's there's a certain consumer out there that this might be the way to get them into bourbon. And right. it, the way I see it as well, and this is a bit of a tangent, but like, who cares if this is getting someone into bourbon? If all you want to drink for the rest of your life is cherry-flavored bourbon, <laughs> amazing, right? It shouldn't be seen as, okay, you've taken the first step and now you're moving on to something else. Like, if that's what you like amazing you found the drink that you like right but yeah these are there are as you say to go back to your point there are significant producers out there distillers that that are offering these products and they're making a lot of money yeah um and so why do you think why do you think these spirits have become so popular so i i think in terms of the the twofold thing that we we're talking mm-hmm. about before it's it's probably a more on the the flavor side of things right maybe it's not always the higher quality ones that are most Mm. popular right that are best selling oftentimes i will interview folks within the industry whether they are producers or kind of market analysts and so often i hear this response that flavor is this macro trend Mm -hmm. um i think there's a huge argument for for that to be said you know that being behind the rise of hard seltzer but we have flavored products that have also become better in other areas of our lives, right? Whether it's, I don't know, like non-hard, like regular, regular seltzer, seltzer. water, <laughs> right? We have these flavors and, and we've come to expect it in different parts of our lives. So you mean like they've become more sophisticated, like the chemistry behind it, I guess. Yeah, a hundred percent. They've become more refined mm-hmm. and we don't just see, you know, cherry maybe as being like, you know, cough syrup or whatever it is. Robitussin, <laughs> is that how you say it? Yes. Um, <laughs> so I, I, anyway, uh, what I'm told many times is that flavor is this macro trend mm-hmm. and it's so, you know, it's always going to seep into beverage, alcohol, and it's just, it's just natural that that would happen. So mm-hmm. I think that that's what's given rise to it. I think we've definitely gone past some of those more cringeworthy mm-hmm. bubblegum vodkas and whatnot. They're still, they're still out there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, to sum it up, like flavors, the macro trend, but the, the flavors themselves that are trending will will evolve, right? We'll go from something that's crazy to just like citrus or jalapeno or lime or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think as obviously like we there, there's like a different level of quality in mm-hmm. flavor, flavored spirits that we've talked about here already. Um, but what do you think the real utility is in flavored spirits like at home or behind the bar? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's finding those use case scenarios when, when something can alleviate work Mm -hmm. labor. I mean, you guys have spoken about it on the pod so often recently, just this labor shortage that exists in the hospitality industry. Mm -hmm. If someone can make something better than you and cheaper than you or more consistent than yourself, Mm -hmm then why would you why not be buying that? Yeah. <laughs> there's a, I was recently rereading, uh, there's a chef from London called Marco Pierre White, who was the first mm-hmm. chef to receive three Michelin stars, or the youngest, sorry, British chef to receive them. Mm-hmm. 
And there's there's a part in his book where he's talking about he was at two stars, and the Michelin guide said to him. He, he asked them, how should I get to three, which feels inherently weird, like they shouldn't be telling him this. But they said to him, you know, your bread could be better. Mm-hmm. And he went to his mentor and he said, you know, what do I do about this? I just, my bread, it's, it's holding me back. And he <laughs> said, why don't you buy it in? I buy it in. And that was Pierre Kaufman. And Pierre Kaufman had a three-star restaurant at the time. He said, if someone's doing it better, mm-hmm. buy it in. Why would you not do that? And Marco got his three stars. So I think that to bring it back to spirits mm-hmm. like... Again, that example of the jalapeno tequila, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be more consistent. So I think that's the reason why you would. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the use cases for them, I don't know, like that's a classic example, the, ta- the, the, the margarita. Mm-hmm. I've also played around with some weird stuff. <laughs> what kind of weird stuff? Uh, I've, I've come <laughs> up with some weird concoctions in my time, but I'd be like, you know what, like people out there, I mean, we're, we're talking about this on the pod, you should try it. So... Mm-hmm. If you want a bona fide espresso martini that actually tastes like a martini mm. and not an espresso martini, Sky Vodka, mm-hmm. Sky Coffee, coffee Vodka. vodka. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty cheap. Sorry if there, Campari's listening. Um, <laughs> looks kind of cheap, but it the flavor is exceptional. It is cheap to buy. Uh-huh. You stir that with some Carpano Bianco vermouth, you know, a little bit of sweetness. You express <laughs> uh, some lemon over there. Don't drop it in. You're going to get some bitterness. But I've made a bona fide espresso martini with that before. I enjoyed it. Interesting. It was good. I love that. Um, <laughs> I also wanted to say before when, you know, we're talking about bars and bartenders using these spirits uh, in their bar programs, it's easy for people over the past, like, almost two years to experiment with those things at home as well Mm -hmm. in their own cocktail making at home Mm -hmm. like if you love a if you love a drink at a bar and you know they use a ghost pepper tequila or something Mm -hmm. you can buy that and make it at home exactly you can recreate it Mm -hmm. and i cannot believe i didn't think about this before but a perfect example just popped into my mind so um gentleman we had in here recently uh toby cicchini Mm -hmm. inventor of the cosmopolitan Mm -hmm. now the Cosmopolitan would not exist without absolute citron, lemon-flavored right. vodka. The guy was, as often happens in bars, a rep would have come in, said, here's this new product, take it for a spin, see what you can come up with. And he was playing around with that cocktail, and eventually the drink that he came up with was the Cosmo. Mm-hmm. So if you are drinking a Cosmopolitan these days, and we know there's a revival happening here, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's thanks to lemon flavored vodka so they can, they can be good yeah that's uh what other like classic cocktails or modern classic cocktails actually call for flavored spirits none that spring to my mind and certainly i can't think of any other use for absolute citron right. but <laughs> sometimes you know all you need is that one use right like mm-hmm. i mean you're probably slinging a lot of cosmos if right. you're if you have it on the menu so you know get that bottle enjoy it um I'm trying to think if there's anything else flavored. I don't think so, but I think I'll say this too. I think there is this this real kind of reluctance by some people to accept them as being quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the brands that I mentioned in that article, I believe they're called Gracias a Dios. They're making mezcal. Mm-hmm. They're making kind of fruity, I think, pineapple, mango, mezcal. Now the agave aficionados out at in this world will be out there being like, that's sacrilege. How mm-hmm. can you do that to this, this incredible, you know, raw spirit? 
it's really good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if you're if they're not adding the pineapple, chances are you're adding fresh citrus somewhere down the line, or you're adding juice to to make it in a cocktail. So what's wrong with that? What's I don't know. Harm? Like, if it tastes good, yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. So you you mentioned this espresso martini that you make, mm-hmm. but what other uh, you know, if you had to make a cocktail with a flavored spirit, mm-hmm. what would you make? Shall I share my secret weapon? <laughs> yes. This is an article that one of our writers, Aaron Goldfarb, <laughs> suggested I should write one day, as I had told him about this before, but I'll share it here on the pod. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Deep Eddie Lime. Okay. That's my secret weapon. Now, this thing, we were doing a, a flavored vodka roundup, <laughs> and I was tasting this. First of all, I did not have high hopes. This was kind of 15, 20 bucks bottle. Um... And I'd heard before as well, like the Deep Eddy flavored stuff was pretty good. So I was excited to try it for the first time. And I just could not believe the authenticity of the lime character in that vodka. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I believe it might be 35% ABV. It might not be 40%, but it, you know, this is not a, like a liqueur or anything. Mm-hmm. This is tart bracing acidic it captures the kind of complexity of lime without just being like these natural lime flavors Mm -hmm. i was really blown away by it so i said okay how am i going to use this in a cocktail and then probably like a lot of folks out there i was like you know i like margaritas but they're just not boozy enough are they (laughs) so i was like this vodka this lime vodka tastes so good could i replace the lime juice in a classic margarita <laughs> with Deep Eddie's lime, which would become known as my secret weapon. Now, I'm going to have to, I'll, I'll tell you here, you can't replace it fully. <laughs> <laughs> this is not quite, but I tell you what, you can get pretty damn close. And I think if you're making this in a Tommy's margarita, mm-hmm. so, you know, two parts tequila, whatever, one part Deep Eddie lime, and um, actually, I'm, I'm blanking on the ratios here. It's probably one part agave syrup, two right, as yeah. well. It holds up there because then you th- th- then you don't realize you know there's less place for it to hide in the classic margarita. Do that. Do the do the deep Eddie Tommy's mark. Leave the fresh lime out and see if it works. It's it's a weird one, but it's well, good. I don't know. I feel like it makes sense to me if you're swapping in that for Cointreau, mm-hmm. which is pretty boozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. And but completely getting rid of the fresh lime too. Right, you don't right. need it anymore, and that's that's good. You know who who has time for a fresh ingredient? That's <laughs> that's that's a lie. That's what cocktail college is all about. Yeah, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, you in a pinch. Oh yeah, in a pinch. It's good. <laughs> While you're camping, yeah, you don't have access to fresh limes. Deep Eddie. Deep Eddie. <laughs> um, you also mentioned on the most recent, I guess. Last week's cocktail college, you were talking to Lucinda Sterling about mm-hmm. the Ramos Gin Fizz. Mm-hmm. And you guys brought up the Tanqueray Orange Gin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a really interesting place to, to swap in flavored... I guess it's a flavored spirit, right? Well, also, I mean, it is. I mean, yeah. let's be honest, Old Gin is a flavored spirit. Right, right. It's got a... They've got their own botanical bills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting because it's like you wouldn't necessarily swap it in for your gin there, but... If it has this, it's citrus forward and it mm-hmm. goes with the cocktail, why not try it out? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I first came across that in like duty free somewhere. I'm like, Wait, <laughs> is this a limited edition thing? But yeah, that rang per gin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's wonderful. And sometimes, yeah, like the cocktail really lends itself to, to having something that has a bit more flavor or more fruitiness or whatever. And like, that's how you can get it. Yeah. 
I think it's a. I think it's smart. I think we've definitely evolved past the, you know, raspberry vodkas and mm-hmm. uh, coconut rums of yesteryear, um, and I think flavored spirits seems like they have a place on. The, on the shelf. On the shelf. On the back on bar. Every, on everyone's shelf. In the fridge, <laughs> the if bar. it's if it's lime vodka, right? Keep that chill. Need to refrigerate. That. <laughs> Um, Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, I look forward to listening to the next episode of Cocktail College and all the episodes to come. Thank you very much for having me, and yeah, as a regular, you know, regular listener, second-time caller here on the Vine Pair Podcast, (laughs) it's been great. Great. Thanks so much. I love Mr. McCurdy's accent. Anyways, uh, let's just get straight to this. We have in front of us a very, very popular uh, flavored spirit. One might say one of the most popular on the market right now. Very, very quickly growing. Um, Not from where I thought it was going to be from. Um, I'm curious, uh, without giving the name of it away yet, like we did last time, Zach, when both of you heard of this spirit, did you think it was made in California? No. no. Where did you think it was made? I would go with like somewhere in the South, maybe Virginia. Yeah. I just uh, assumed Indiana because that's where like all the whiskey in this country is made. True. I kind of thought Alabama. Uh, oh. you, know, <laughs> you know, mostly uh, just because of peanuts. Yeah. So if that gives it away, we are drinking. We're going to try to drink Screwball. Yeah, uh, which is made in California. <laughs> I was yeah. so surprised by that. Um, Peanut butter whiskey. I have n- never had screwball before, um, but as everyone knows, Keith is on the ones and twos uh, at at Vine Pair, uh, <laughs> all podcasts, and also the host of Wine One Hundred and One. And if you want to bring him in, because if you listen to Wine One Hundred and One, all you know that Keith is has a peanut butter problem uh, uh really obsessed with peanut butter so i needed i need him to taste this with us because uh i need to know if a real peanut butter gourmand uh, <laughs> believes this is as delicious as a lot of people do we are not I, I i apologize in advance to those listening who are saying we're drinking it wrong because we're not doing a peanut butter and jelly shot which apparently is is screwball and chambord actually as i walked through the office with the bottle some of our staff members shouted at me that we could only be drinking this as a peanut butter and jelly shot. And uh, I said, don't have board. Don't want to tell you. Uh, so we're just going to drink it straight. Uh, I don't have any ice for mine. Do either of you? Nope. No. Just, just pure uncut. Yeah, it's pure uncut. So I'm going to open my bottle. Uh, what do either of you think this is going to taste like? I think it's going to taste delicious. I'm definitely most excited for this out of any of the things we have tried. I think it's the one that I like bought a bottle and unlike the rest of the things that we've tried on this podcast so far, where I have not finished the, the container, <laughs> I imagine I will eventually finish this, although not in one sitting, I should hope. So um, Keith, you on the mic? I am, but I don't know if you can hear me. Yes. Yeah, we can. You're coming okay. through. You're coming through. So, I mean, I get an immediate smell on this, but I'm curious what, what, what memories these brings back. Keith, we'll, we'll let, we'll let you talk last since you're, you're a peanut butter guru. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Zach, what do you think this, what, what are you getting on this when you first smell it? 
So it, it's interesting. It smells to me less like pure peanut butter mm-hmm. and more like a Reese's cup. Mm. Yes, um, I think that's a good one. I'm not getting a Reese's cup, but I, it's it's I'm getting a similar candy. Are you thinking of like a oh candy? I was gonna say like a nutter butter or dosi dough or something. That's pretty good. Maybe. I'm getting Snickers peanut butter. Oh, oh. Interesting. Okay. Well, but I think there's definitely a peanut and chocolate combo yeah, going chocolate on. Yeah, chocolate for sure. Yeah, which is, makes sense with whiskey, but. It smells like um, like what is that? What is that ice cream that has peanut butter and chocolate? Moose Tracks doesn't have peanut butter and chocolate, does it? Well, I just just was having some uh, peanut butter cup ice cream from Ben and Jerry's the other day, so it kind of reminds me of that too. Yeah, how does that like, really? And I guess that yeah. would have the vanilla too because of whiskey. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So Keith is doing something to taste the whiskey that I've realized that I've been scolded on before, which is he's swirling it, and you're not supposed to do that. That's right. Sorry, because it allow, it causes the ethanol to come out. Wine one hundred and one. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so, Adam, yeah, right. when does when does when does whiskey one hundred and one launch, Keith? Moose tracks, right? <laughs> After this podcast. <laughs> so, Keith, what Keith don't taste it yet? What do you smell? I smell Reese's peanut butter cup peanut butter, or just confectionery. Mm-hmm. Confectionery, Gif. Gif. little Jif. Yeah, you know, Jif or uh, yeah. Are you are you a pure peanut butter man, Keith, or are you like an all peanut butter thing? I don't discriminate. Um, I do enjoy a, a, a pure peanut butter. So like, but, like, like a natural peanut butter. Natural. Yeah, but I won't hate on some sugar. You know, like if, if Jif is all sugar and Skippy's all sugar, but you know, sometimes you're in the mood for that stuff. Wait, so you, Ch- you, chunky or smooth. Yeah, Keith. chunky or smooth. All that, again, what's my day like? What kind of work do I want to do when I get that peanut butter open? Do I want to dive in? Do I want to do I some no work? Do I want to stir? Do I want to? I don't know. Do I want it, it's all about Have you always day. been obsessed with peanut butter? I think so. I think I think I get it from my dad because my mom complains that my dad eats the peanut butter in the house when and she can't get it. I don't know what it is, but it is a um I have an unhealthy relationship with <laughs> and um, the, the only substance you could say that about. He loves I, it so much. I hear it's an uh, it's everyone's like, dude, it's okay, it's the healthy fat. Like, but you don't get how much I eat. <laughs> like you cannot have a jar of peanut butter in the house for 24 hours. It's gone. I, I love one important it. question to ask you about this, Keith. Does this extend to other nut butters or is it just a peanut butter thing? Just peanut butter. Almond butter is weird and chalky. Yeah, it is. Okay. Weird. Cashew is just too much fat and peanut butter is just right there in the middle. It's like, okay. you know, like, it's, like it's a Goldilocks legume. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I enjoy a good peanut butter, but not like this. I will say when we first reopened the office, uh, there was a two-year-old expired peanut butter here and Keith tried to eat it and I told him to please throw it away. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. This has gone on long enough. Let's Let's taste it. Okay. Hold on. Joanna, thoughts? I mean, you could definitely smell the sweetness, but I kind of didn't know how sweet it would be. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Sweet. But I will say... There's like a, I don't know how to put this. Like, there's like an actual peanut quality to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, I just like had, you know, I was at the baseball game. I opened up, you know, Mm -hmm. a fresh roasted salted peanut. I threw it in my mouth. I ate it, and that like aftertaste is yeah. There's like well, there's like an oiliness to it, right? Like the, the 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 weight of the fat in the peanut that Keith is so concerned about is definitely present in the whiskey yeah i think it's delicious i mean yeah it's a little sweet i don't think i'd want to drink a ton of it i probably would regret it but like yeah we'll finish for sure it's excellent <laughs> you like I, it i love it it tastes like oh. Gina's peanut butter pie mm. yeah gina makes a mean peanut butter pie i mean it's what do you think adam 
it's too sweet for me. Mm. It's like a, it, I mean, look, it's the same as as a lot of like it's like fair, fireballs. It's like a, it's a whiskey liqueur. Mm-hmm. It's thirty five percent alcohol as opposed mm-hmm. to like a, at your at your kind of lowest end with a bourbon. You have forty five. Most are pushing that now. So yeah, for me, I don't know if I could drink a lot of it, but it's good. It's I mean, it's deceptively smooth. Yeah, it's it's very it's very easy drinking. Mm-hmm. It's you know what it reminds me of weirdly, or maybe not weirdly. It kind of reminds me of like Drambuie, which is like a Scotch based liqueur that's mm-hmm. got like honey and stuff in it. There's something about that like mix of like you can taste the base spirit and like the characteristic, but like this sweet thing layered on top of it that's complimentary. Which is like I like Drambuie. I don't drink a ton of it, but like it's a tasty thing. Mm-hmm. Already, I could see not it again. The kind of cocktail bars we off, you know, mostly write about. So, like, not at like the craft cocktail bars, but you could see it, you know, a a certain kind of bar or maybe mm-hmm. a certain kind a tailgate, of tailgate, perhaps. Well, well, where I'm going to go with this is like <laughs> peanut butter, old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where you're taking a classic, but you're 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 messing with a little with this. You could see this being played around with a lot. Obviously, it makes a lot of sense in that shot. I'm actually now really curious what this peanut butter and jelly shot tastes like. I bet it's <laughs> freaking delicious. Well, I got some Chambord up, upstairs, so I'm going to have to try that after <laughs> we're done recording. Yeah, I need to know if the peanut butter and jelly shot is like – I mean, you got to look it up, I guess, and figure out what the proportions are. But I got to know if this is, a, is is amazing as as members of the staff have told me that it is. Like, apparently, that's their go-to shot when they're out with friends. Oh, wow. When they do wow. shots, everyone orders peanut butter and jelly shots. You know, 2021. Yeah. But uh, what do you think, Joanna? Yeah, I really, I'm, I mean, I think I agree with both of you. I don't know that I would have too much of this or have it too often, but I, I think it's good. I get the appeal. Yeah. It's another one where it's like, you know, they did a great job. Like it's, it it tastes the way it's supposed to taste. Like it does taste like peanut butter whiskey. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. I think. Obviously, to to do that, they added sugar too, and sure. that's the only thing for me that's that's giving me you know a pause. But then, as Keith reminded us, like a lot of commercial peanut butter has sugar, yeah. so like that's sort of what you're dealing with. I'm just, you know, the the thing I'm really surprised by, and maybe maybe they weren't first. And maybe this someone else had done this and just didn't have as great of marketing with the name and all that stuff. It also the marketing is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just shocked that there hasn't been a peanut butter whiskey before. Mm. Like you know yeah. what I mean. In the same way, I guess we were shocked when we interviewed like the Firefly people that like there hadn't been another sweet tea vodka before. Like yeah, it just feels like this is kind of a natural. In the yeah, yeah I mean like. Especially, and that's why I thought this was from the South. Like in the South, one of the number one desserts is peanut butter pie. There's a lot of peanut butter consumed in a lot of different dishes, and whiskey is very prevalent. I, I mean, I think that you bring this to like Thanksgiving, because that was dessert, yeah. and people will love this. Love I'm do that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah, it's right. I think that this is like the ultimate, like. This next to like all the pies and stuff like and, yeah. and this this is a great for that for that I would drink. Well, that or the uh, pumpkin yeah. spice uh, whiskey that Joanna found in Canada. <laughs> oh yeah, we, we Joanna, you better bring that at the office. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I think overall, in terms of like this, now becomes the I think the best spirit, well, the best liquid that I've tasted now on our Friday episodes. Oh yeah, uh, 
You, sorry, Snoop. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, sorry. Don't worry, we'll be back with something disgusting next week, I'm sure. I hope so. But uh, until then, I'll talk to you both Monday. Thanks, guys. Sounds great. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you love this show as much as we love making it, then please leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and recorded in New York City and Seattle, Washington, by myself and Zach Jabal, who does all the editing and loves to get the credit. Also, I would love to give a special shout out to my VinePair co-founder, Josh Mallon, for helping me make all this possible. And also to Keith Beavers, VinePair Tasting Director, who is additionally a producer on this show. I also want to, of course, thank every other member of the VinePair team who are instrumental in all of the ideas that go into making this show every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again.